Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I started out as a happiness researcher and along the way realized that, you know, we are so obsessed with happiness in our culture that it's actually making us really unhappy. Everyone I know who wants to be desperately happy and who tries to be really happy is really not that happy. Hi, everyone. You're listening to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season of The Females will explore the world of meltdowns and comebacks. I'm Lauren McGoodwin, CEO of Career Contessa and the host of The Females. Today's guest is Dr. Zalana Momini, a prominent figure in positive psychology and the author of 21 Days to Resilience. Her research is at the forefront of groundbreaking new science, which she calls the science of thriving, a field in which experts are exploring what drives us toward optimal well-being. And that's what brings us to this podcast. Dr. Z is going to help explain why do we melt down? We are going to learn what it is that makes us spiral out of control or lose our sense of direction. And what does it take for us to focus on our strengths and thrive within our lives and workplaces as opposed to just survive? Stress and anxiety overload manifests itself in many different ways, and most conventional wisdom centers on how to overcome those feelings. But contrary to popular opinion, Dr. Z's model centers on leaning into those challenges, Only then can we experience personal and professional growth. In today's episode, Dr. Z and I will discuss the following. Why chasing happiness was never the answer. Specific actions you can take if you're feeling burnt out, because just slowing down isn't a useful suggestion. Exactly how addicting social media has become. And why mindfulness is truly doable for all of us. But first, let's start off by clarifying what exactly positive psychology really is. Okay, I want to start with positive psychology because I, obviously I know what psychologists are, but you call yourself a positive psychologist. And so I really want to understand what does that mean exactly? And like, is that like a specific training in psychology? Um, Yes, it is basically what, it's a, it's a focus on strengths and it's, it's the science of happiness, the science of thriving, I would say. Um, I was really disenchanted with psychology when I started studying it and it's focused on pathology. And I thought, you know, there's so much that's right with us and we focus so much on what's wrong 
and granted that that's all very valid and there are a lot of things that are wrong but there's also a lot of really wonderful things that we do that I feel are overshadowed by the industry and so you know from a very sort of early part of my career I started to focus on building us up and how do we not just survive but how do we really thrive Mm -hmm. I I like that it's sort of related to the concept of focus on your strengths and just forget the weaknesses you know like strengths finder you know it's not even I wouldn't even go so far as to say like forget the weaknesses I think that the weaknesses make us who we are but I feel like we just have to change the lens with which we see our weaknesses because a lot of times I've noticed in my own life for example like I I can I think that it's a weakness but it's actually one of my strengths Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm let's say I'm I'm a sensitive person. I take things to heart. That's definitely could be a weakness, but it's also one of the things that makes some of my friends say that I'm a good one or you know what I mean? Or or, or that creates authentic relationships. So for some people that could be viewed as a strength. Absolutely. So it's really about sort of like shifting our perspective, I think. I think a lot of women are told <laughs> you're too sensitive to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So let's like you know what? Turn that that's into a who I am. <laughs> so <laughs> just roll with it. Absolutely. Um Okay, I want to get into kind of a, a more of a doozy type of question. Yeah. I I really feel like we are living in one of the best times of women's history. We have so many more opportunities and that's amazing. I also feel, though, that it's left our generation carrying this tremendous burden of, of doing it all and feeling like we have to do it all. And it's definitely leading to some meltdown moments or and. Some people probably don't like the word meltdown, but that's kind of my way of being like, it's just really tough internal moments. Um, Whether that's with your careers, your family, your community, businesses, health, the the list really goes on. I'm just kind of curious, like, why do you think we are having meltdowns? Like, what is doing this or causing this and how can women really find support? I think that more so than ever, um, we're living in a time where, you know, when women are really working within the confines of unimaginable expectations. Um, I think that it's just humanly impossible to balance the things that we are expected to. And so in addition to being most people's emotional, you know, caretaker and not just necessarily physical caretaker because a lot of women are, you know, outsourcing and getting help and that's great if they can, if they have those capabilities. But even if you are getting help on the childcare front, for example, or on the home front, you're still, you still have an emotional load that you carry within your mind and in your heart where you know, and let's just say the women who do have children, like, you know, their favorite pair of socks. And most other people don't. And you know, like, what, you know, what makes them cry. And you know what doesn't make them cry. And you know how to soothe them better than anybody else. And that's something that we carry with us, whether or not we're at the office. And that's the only thing that we know to do. And so when you when you balance that and, and on top of that, all the other expectations that not just, we're not just the caretakers. We're, all, we're working and we're strong and we're powerful and we are changing things. And we are, you know, moving mountains. And yes, we can. We absolutely can. But I think that, you know, the idea of balancing it all, we have to eradicate. Because mm-hmm. truly balance doesn't exist, no. especially in today's world, as you know, right? And so I think that's really the origin of sort of like the 
how many meltdowns and how like we just can't carry all that we have to because we try to force this balance and that it all needs to kind of play perfectly together and be like this beautiful machine that we operate on our own pretty much right and it just doesn't exist so instead of balance I always urge people to think about sort of integration how do we effectively integrate all of the different aspects of who we are and the roles that we play in a way that really you know that we prioritize and that we're very sort of focused about right because some weeks yeah you know my family takes priority definitely my children my family and work yes it kind of gets thrown to the wayside because it has to right but then there's other weeks where I'm traveling and I'm on the road and I'm speaking and and my kids are a, a little bit I mean they're not an afterthought but they're not as prevalent in that you know in that week or in that moment and I have to be okay with that Right. Instead of just feeling sorry for myself, right? And feeling guilty and feeling upset and, and letting all those feelings sort of take over. Yeah, it's like the overwhelm of all the things that are really, like the to-do list that's running in your head all the time. It, it, sometimes it's not even doing the items on the to-do list. Yeah. It's just knowing that it's there. And right. maybe that's where we have to start is like support ourselves by just taking that to-do list and making the to-don't list or something. It's totally to-don't list and also like to pick your top three. Right. Pick your top three forget about the rest. I mean, really, there's only so much we can do within a day. I actually read this amazing research lately um, that we are exposed to about, it's like 11 million bits of information every second, and our brain can only effectively process 40. Oh my so God. if you think you're a great multitasker, you just we just aren't capable of that as as humans. So you know, and 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 throw in that like all the technology and the virtual offices and and how great it is that we can make our kids football game. Yet we're literally looking at our screen most of the time if we're really being honest. And did you actually see him make that awesome throw? Right. You know, when he looks in your eyes and looks at you in the bleachers, like, and you're looking down at your phone. Are those virtual offices really effective? We're not actually doing anything well anymore. Like we're not actually focusing, right? And so what our world has become, which yes, definitely has its its positives, but I actually am starting to see more negatives to this kind of virtual lifestyle that we live because we always have to be available to everyone at all times. I was just going to ask you about flexible work environments, right? right? And it is certainly considered a perk. Mm -hmm. You know, even on Career Contessa, we have company profiles. And one of the things that um, they're vetted for is that they offer remote or flexible work opportunities. They have to offer some type of scheduling that Mm -hmm. works for a human's life, right? And (laughs) so now I'm feeling like a hypocrite (laughs) because I'm thinking, oh, are these like actually not perks? You know, I think it's it's the way in which you frame it and the way you fit into your life. Is it a perk that you don't have to be in your office at your desk by 9 a.m. every day? Yes, Mm -hmm. right? If you can be flexible with that kind of, you know, timeline. But I do think that, um, you know, and I do a lot of corporate work now too in in the resilience space. And I do think it's, it's kind of figuring out what is the best strategy for your life. You know, a lot of moms, who have children um, actually find it really difficult to work from home and really can't efficiently work from home because their kids really want them when they are home. Even if they're, you know, in their office behind closed doors, their kids know they're there. Right. So they might want to go to the workspace or workplace, but leave by a certain time. Exactly. Or leave by a certain time or maybe be able to bring a newborn baby you know, so they don't have to pump all day and have that flexibility of having a quieter, more private space. So, you know, there's all sorts of ways to work it. And I totally encourage flexibility, obviously. But I do think that we've sort of, you know, we've um, we've let it 
take over our lives, that flexibility in a way that isn't good for our mental health. Well, we're so overwhelmed that we're desperate for an answer. Yeah. And a flexible schedule certainly feels it like good. it. It sounds yeah. good. <laughs> looks good. Um, well, you mentioned resilience. Yes. And I want to talk about your book, which is called 21 Days to Resilience. Emphasis on the word resilience and not happiness. And I really, I think that's amazing. But I think a lot of people are probably new to that word because mm-hmm. obviously we're all striving for happiness, right? So what is resilience and why is that actually more valuable than this elusive happiness that we all chase? So it's really fascinating because I started out as a happiness researcher and I really along the way realized that, you know, we are so obsessed with happiness in our culture that it's actually making us really unhappy. Everyone I know who wants to be desperately happy and who tries to be really happy is really not that happy. (laughs) And we have all these happiness books out there and all of these people talking about happiness, but yet we're one of the least happy developed countries in the world. And, um, you know, I really do think that a focus on happiness, which is essentially a fleeting feeling, I mean, it comes and goes. We're happy a hundred times, a million times a a day if we're able to capture that happiness, right? But we're also unhappy and that's okay too. So if we anchor our goals in a fleeting feeling, it sort of sets us up for unhappiness, right? Right. Because we're just never going to find those moments. Um, And we focus so much on our shortcomings. So I started to really look into, you know, well, what is it that really creates that contentment over time and that success, Um, you know, where you really feel like you're thriving and it's resilience. It's not happiness at all. I mean, look at the most, you know, successful, resilient people and, and people who you really feel are truly deeply content, right? right. They're not and they have happy it all. all the time, yeah. but they're not like, you know, just pleasurable feelings. They're actually able to grow from their pain. They're able to take their sort of post-traumatic stress and turn it into post-traumatic growth, which is really sort of the key focus of resilience. Because a lot of people are like, oh, resilience is about bouncing back. Well, it's not really just about bouncing back because you actually have to bounce back but learn. Right. You can't just bounce back and then be, yeah, great, I'm super then resilient, and, but I'm it. just super depressed about it, or I bounced back, but I'm you know, not really, exactly, you're going to repeat it, and you're not going to grow mm-hmm. and strengthen. So really, the I think the operational word about resilience that people miss is the growth factor. I love that. I think one of the things I hear the most, uh, especially from career contessa readers, is I want to feel like I'm moving forward in my life and my career. Mm-hmm. And I think careers are sometimes even more challenging because people don't feel like they have always as much control over it. You know, I have a boss, we can, we only do reviews at this time of year, but they're like obsessed with, I just want to make sure I'm growing. And if I stop growing, then I need to leave. And I, you know, what would be the advice about that in terms of like, if you especially are in a place where you're trying to grow, but you feel like you don't have as much control over that environment to grow in? I think that's a really great question. I think that you obviously only have control over what you can do, right, and your behavior. So I think that if you're able to create a system for yourself in the workplace where you are challenging yourself within your you know, your work within what you're actually doing that has nothing to do with your boss necessarily or your team. It's just within your own world that you're creating these like these challenges and, and you're really pushing and you're really flexing those those muscles and those aspects of your capabilities that you're not necessarily always tapping into. I think that's where we can grow the most. And I think it's sort of almost like a cop-out to blame, you know, our bosses. And yes, there are definitely work environments that are stagnant and that don't want you to grow. 
too. Yes. So I think it's important to really listen to your gut on that and, and you know, really kind of give yourself the time and space it takes to get comfortable in a new environment, right? To get comfortable with a boss, to get comfortable with a team or whatever, you know, your work situation is um, and give yourself that time. Don't just, you know, bow out because it's, you know, difficult or you're not growing or whatever, but really try, try to find ways to grow within what you're given and mm-hmm. what you can do. And there are ways to do that. You just have to actually think about it, you know, in a focused way. Yeah. Do you have any examples of ways that maybe your clients are just good examples you can think of in the workplace to challenge yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the thing I hear about, for example, um, you know, someone, um, I was talking to a corporate team and, you know, some of the team members felt that, you know, they were just, um, it was actually a sales team and, um, you know, that they can only kind of function within what they're given. And, you know, I, I called them out. I said, well, what ideas do you have that your boss isn't okay with? And they kind of just looked at me quiet and they were like, well, I haven't really proposed anything. Right. Like, well, how are, how is your boss going to know that you have ideas or you have opportunities that you aren't taking because you feel confined, you know, within what she's given you? Oh yeah, that's true. Well, maybe. And I was like, well, listen, come up with a plan. You know, let's, you can only know what you, what you know, right? You could propose, push, like drive, you know, to give them a good reason to say yes. Right. Give them, you know, don't give them a reason to say no. Give them a good reason to say yes. Give them, and, and don't just say, you know, I really want, you know, to do X, Y, Z. You know, give other, you know, case studies or come up with some research that some shows, evidence, yeah, yeah, some evidence that this is needed right, for the right. organization or the company to progress and to really thrive. Um, so I think just communication, I would say, is important um, because a lot of people are afraid of sort of going outside the box and sometimes that's really necessary and you don't you know you don't know until you actually put yourself out there and are vulnerable right because vulnerability leads to courage and it leads to growth too so if you show a little vulnerability with your boss or your team you know then then great things might happen absolutely I like that you touched a lot on um, communication it's yeah (laughs) it's a bit of a lost art these days Mm -hmm. because we've got texts and email and you know slack and whatever else that you're communicating on and I think sometimes it loses all of, they're all very convenient, but it, 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 what we lose in that is the ability to walk up to our boss and kind of have this like brainstorm about XYZ project that you really think would be great and it would lead to your growth. Oh, it's so amazing. I mean, I remember working with this group and they were having a lot of issues within that particular, like that particular uh, division. And it was amazing because I actually when I ask them when they've actually looked each other in the eye, nobody could actually pinpoint a time that they've ever done that because it's all through messaging. Hey, do you want to do that? And they connect through email messaging and like all of these different apps, but they've never actually sat down. And I honestly feel like one of the teams are like, oh yeah, I think we've been here a year and I don't think we've ever looked at each other. Because they just, that's just not, I mean, it's a digital company, whatever, and they don't really like do, yeah, right? So right, I was like, right. wait a minute. No, they you're, think you're making assumptions through like the, the word and the typing, not through looking in your eyes. And they feel so differently when they, I actually make them talk to each other verbally. Absolutely. No, you get so much more when you talk to someone in person. You get their tone of voice, their facial expressions. Totally. You get to have this 
interaction yeah. that's a little bit less of a um, you say what you want to say, period. You say what I, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, period, which right. is what a conversation online is is more like. Right. Um, one thing I really love about your book and your way of teaching and, and just talking about resilience is that you're always really great at bringing it back to actionable real life examples. And I, I'm a super visual person and I like examples. So when people, especially when it comes to, I would say like inside tools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what can you tell us some concrete things that women can do to optimize their mental health? I, I, I could see that um, people listening to this episode walking away being like, I really want to strengthen my resilience muscles. Right. How do I do that? Well, and that's essentially why I wrote the book, too, because I realized that a lot of people tell everyone why resilience is so important, but nobody actually knows how to build it. And right. Reality, it's like falling off of a cliff. Yeah. Like, okay, it's like, that's great. It. <laughs> okay. This is awesome. But wait, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it really is a skill. It's not something we're born with or without. It's something we have to practice. It's something we have to invest in, just like we do going to the gym or healthful eating. Um, it really is something we have to keep up, which is why my book is like a toolkit and and sort of a boot camp for jumpstarting this skill set. But I would say that, you know, um, the biggest thing that people miss about resilience is the reboot. And I always say that resilience is more about the reboot than the hustle. And it's how you're able to take a break and getting enough sleep and nourishing yourself and taking care of yourself is such a critical part of managing daily stressors and the daily grind that people often miss, especially women, because they're so you know focused on taking care of everybody else and you know making all their deadlines. And I see you nodding and like I, I you know and we get it. So really invest in yourself. Um, I would also say that connectivity and friendships are really critical, especially for women when it comes to resilience and really surrounding yourself with an authentic tribe that not just is like super supportive, which is great, but also can like call you out, you know, and, and, and see your blind spots, things that you are missing about yourself in your world that you feel comfortable enough and you have like that trust where they can talk to you about anything and, and really bring it to your attention. I think that's incredibly valuable for women. Um, you know, people say gratitude is important, and I have a whole chapter in my book on that. And gratitude is important. I think that we have to be careful about how we integrate it into our lives. Um, not everybody has time to write a gratitude journal, and while that can be really great and effective, I think it's more about sort of the moments of finding gratitude. Um, and I often advise people to start a gratitude bowl and it's just like a glass bowl you just put wherever you're most you know like in your kitchen or your dining room or wherever and like whenever you have you know just an inkling to do it just put some index cards and a pen by it and like just write down something that you're grateful for just put it in the bowl and then when you're feeling down look back at those cards or like some of my clients like spend Sunday nights doing it with their family and it's a really nice way to sort of remind yourself of all your blessings um, and then just like in integrating mindfulness into your daily life. So again, meditation, awesome, has a lot of incredible, you know, long-term things that it can do for you, but not everybody can do it every day or take 20 minutes out of their day to do it. And while I urge people to try, I think that it's more about finding moments in your life to be mindful. Like if you're stuck in traffic, you know, instead of just trying to like look down at your phone whenever you can and sneak that in or, you know, just 
look at like the wind blowing in the leaves right like that's that's a mindfulness moment just be aware like bring awareness into your body like what are you feeling right now what you know what what's your body doing are you do you have pain do you where does it feel great like you know just and that kind of mindfulness is really um going to help your brain refocus take a break so that you can get back to the challenges of your day more effectively and efficiently so just kind of going back to self-care for a quick second i think that i mean and you know and I always bring this back to this, and it's it's sort of like a banal metaphor, but those face masks in an airplane come down, and they always say, put it on first before you put it on anyone else or your kids. There's a reason for that. I mean, we literally can't do anything well unless we are cared for. And if we don't care about ourselves enough, we're not only are we not getting what we need, but we're not showing others how to treat us. Right. Right? Because how you treat yourself is basically your calling card and it shows to the world and your relationships like this is how I expect to be treated. And I urge all of my clients to literally book time into their calendar. And it's just me time. And it can be something really specific. The more specific you get, the more effective it can be. So, for example, you know, from two to four or like eight, you know, whatever, like going for yoga class with Betsy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can also like double team is like your friendship reboot, right? And you grab a coffee after whatever you can right. fit into your schedule so that when you actually look at your schedule and you're trying to book more, 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 you see that you have that in the calendar and your brain automatically thinks, even though it's about you and you're more prone to say, oh yeah, I can just like delete that and put make time for this meeting. You're actually going to pause and think, oh wait, I have something. Wait, oh wait. And that, but you're actually, you might be more prone to say no to that. And it's really important that we do. So I urge people, just put yourself into your own calendar. Treat yourself like any other thing that you do in life and prioritize. Like you prioritize a project, prioritize yourself. Um, in terms of setting boundaries, I think that's really, like you said, really, really hard for women um, to tease that apart. I think it's important to sort of name your limits and be really specific about what those limits are um, and tune into your feelings. The more direct you can be with with yourself first and the more direct you can be with people about that is great. And remember, like you don't have to give a ton of excuses. I love yes. it when people, you know, women are so prone to like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I can't make that dinner. I've been traveling for three weeks and I'm so exhausted. And I, this is the it's first like time we over explain. Yeah, you don't have to do that. You're just committed. Right. One of my favorite pieces of negotiation advice is to say what you want and then stop talking. Right. And it's so simple. It's like, just literally just stop, stop talking yeah. and let them talk. Exactly. Um, and it works, you exactly. know, setting your boundary and stop, you know, yes. say, no, I'm sorry, I can't come to this and stop. And I completely agree when, and I don't know if it's just women, but I, as a woman, certainly do this where I will over explain and yes. I will make sure that everyone knows, well, this is where I was coming from when I said that. And well, it's because as women, we care about other people's feelings. We have a high, you know, regard for empathy and we want to make sure that we're liked, that we're still like we haven't hurt anybody's feelings, you know, and we're so we're, you know, we're the caretaker. So we always have to explain ourselves. And, and you know, you can have a previous commitment or a previous engagement even with yourself. Right. Right. And you don't have to explain that, you know what, I've been running ragged like you have for weeks and this is like my first night at home and I literally cannot go out anywhere and I'm going to be sitting on my couch like binging on Netflix and that's totally okay. 
Absolutely. Right. And I hope people get better about that too when they go on vacation. You know, I always joke the only time I had a, like I was going uh, on my honeymoon. And so I would tell people that and they'd be like, oh my goodness, have the best time. Don't answer any emails. But if I say I'm going on vacation, they're like, so I'll email you that on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Maybe you could get it back to me by Friday. And it's like, it's just really funny because yeah. the label honeymoon made sense to people. They were like, right, you should not have to check it. But if you say vacation today, people, because we're so connected. Virtual. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they'll they push that boundary. And oh, yeah. um, you're right. You probably train people on how they can treat you too. A hundred percent. So set your, you know, signature auto reply that you're off the grid. And then really don't answer. Yeah, and you're off the grid. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have access to Wi-Fi. It it may, it means that you choose to not have access to Wi-Fi. Right? I'm sure that's very powerful. Very, very powerful. And it takes a, it takes a beat like to get comfortable with that. I mean, you're definitely the first few days of vacation not answering emails. You're going to feel stressed out. You're going to feel a little anxious. But over time, those feelings will dissipate, and you'll reap the benefits of being in the moment and being where you're at, and really giving yourself and your mind a break. Right. Because your emotions need it. That's how we we grow and strengthen. Absolutely. So it's really important. So one of the things in your book, um, or on the cover even, it says <laughs> how to transcend the daily grind, which I really like because, well, it's a grind. Right. Um, and for many of us, slowing down there isn't an option or at least it's not a desirable one. So if you are um, a woman who is working and her career is really important to us, her, she's got her health, her family, um, you know, everything that's going mm-hmm. on. I think some of the advice sometimes is like slow down, you know, do less. And for a lot of women, including myself, sometimes I hear that. And on one hand, I'm like, yes, completely agree. Like I was just saying with the travel. But sometimes I hear that I'm like, I can't slow down. Like, right. I, or I don't want, it's not even I can't, I don't want to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if someone is coming at it from that angle, and part of that is probably because we're all a little addicted to being busy. Yes. Uh, it's a status symbol. Um, what, well, it's also what our brain has gotten used to. Absolutely. Like what? what's a good like little first step if that's kind of more your mentality? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people reach sort of like a burnout point because it's like you almost have to break in order to get fixed, right? And so, and there's that aha moment. And like you felt it, right? After three weeks of going, 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 obvi- like there was a moment where you were just like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. And I always tell people like, you don't have to get to that point <laughs> in order to kind of reassess your situation. Right. Um, I always like, there's there's a moment where you do know if you're mindful that things are getting a little out of hand and you're not at the burnout yet. You're kind of just, it's like right at the precipice, right? You, you're, you're, you're like, you're getting into it. I'm you're flirting not with burnout. It. You're flirting with burnout. So I say instead of slowing down, reassess. Reassess. You don't have to slow down. Maybe you just need to like reconfigure or rejigger your schedule or slot in more slots for yourself into your calendar or, you know, spend a little more time with someone you really care about, whether it's a kid or a partner, a friend or whomever, right? So maybe you just need to reintegrate, right? Right. And again, forget about the balance piece. You don't have to do it all and do it all equally and do it all equally well. Right. You just have to figure out what your priorities are for that moment. And when you are like getting really close to that burnout or if you're in that burnout phase, I would say to really just take it moment by moment. Don't worry about, you know, what's happening next week or, oh my God, am I ever going to see the light or am I ever going to get out of this? Forget about all of that. And I love when people are like, oh, you'll be fine. Like you'll see, you know, you're going to, how do they know? 
Right? <laughs> what do they yeah. know about being fine? You're not fine. You're not fine in that moment. It's and like I never, the worst advice. It's the too. worst <laughs> advice, and I never, I would never say that to anyone I actually cared about or worked with. Because in this moment, you are not fine, and you are okay to not be fine. You know, we live in a culture that's really afraid of the negative and really shies away from any uncomfortable feelings, and I think that's really doing a disservice for us. So if you just accept where you're at, I think that's the first step, honestly. And you asked for the first step, like accept where you're at this sucks. Like this doesn't feel good right now. I am overwhelmed. I'm X, Y, Z and own it. And when you're able to kind of look a feeling in the face and see it for what it is, it stops to have power over you. Right. Right. It has less power. And so now you're in the driver's seat and you're saying, you know what? I'm burnt out. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I'm about to cry and I'm okay with this. Right. And I'm going to feel the feeling. And then I'm going to problem solve and troubleshoot and figure out, you know, how to reassess, who I need to reach out to for help, et cetera, et cetera. And then your brain is going to be able to problem solve more effectively because you've given yourself that, you know, acceptance and that moment. Absolutely. I when I was a kid growing up, um, my mom would let us take mental health days. We, <laughs> I love that. If we just didn't really just didn't feel like yeah. it. Yeah. And as an adult, I wish we <laughs> were given mental health days. Like I really wish people could be like, look, I just have a lot on my personal plate today. Yeah. I just need the day off from work, or yeah. I need to not come in. And I, there's such a stigma around mental health. You know, you're allowed to have a sick day, but you right. can't have a mental health day. And hopefully that will change. Hopefully, like you're saying, people will start to own the fact that like. I, I, I'm having a moment yeah, like, and I need I'm to work having, through it. Or even just a mental health moment. Like we don't even give ourselves that, right? Yeah. Like we were supposed to power through it all and, and not have any feelings and be superhuman all the time, right? And it's just not sustainable. Right. I have a friend that's like that. She is superhuman and smiles. <laughs> and if you ask her how it is, it's always good. And it, like there's zero reason to ever get irritated with her. And sometimes I get irritated because I'm like – Okay, you cannot be a superhuman. Like, no. that's impossible. Well, and I would almost say, like, for someone like that, you know, there's definitely stuff beneath there that needs to be worked through because you can't possibly be like that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- this is my world. This is, like, my, my work and my lo- expertise, and yet I have all my moments, which I had last week. Like, I had a full meltdown, and that's okay. Well, speaking of meltdown, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my questions for you because I, I always – so I'm sure a lot of people think this too is like well you're the guru of this yeah. you probably never have meltdowns right. so of course like, I do tell us what's your latest meltdown and how did you work wait, through it wait which day of the week do you well, want you kidding. pick the biggest best one we are here for the story I mean I listen I feel like having that like unfolding of emotion is really normal and really healthy um, and I have it often and I feel like also for women we need to know our emotional and hormonal phases. And I obviously, like, it happens for me much more when I'm, like, in my cycle. And I think that's an important part of it. I think it's a part that's left out of the conversation. Absolutely. But we can't just say, oh, you know, our hormones and our cycles don't matter. Like, we can own it. We, you, It's never going to control me. That's not true. That's just not true. And so, you know, definitely I'm more emotional and more, you know, uh, I just take things a lot deeper, you know, <laughs> in, in that. Um but I mean, last week, like you were, I was traveling too and I was traveling for work and I, you know, there was like a nine hour delay and then they put me on three different flights and they closed the door in my face and said I couldn't come on, you know, and it was totally like one of yours. And I, <laughs> I'm like York, having flashbacks. I'm like, yeah. that's no good. No, it's like, almost, I mean, it was. Travel is stressful. It was stressful and it's even more stressful when customer service is not offering any solutions, but you have solutions that they're not willing to be like flexible about and 
they're telling you that you have to wait a few more days and it's like there's no reason for you to do that and you have kids waiting for you and work and everything else back home and then the funniest piece was it was like I got I finally got on a flight it was like 10 p.m or something east coast time and the pilot's like guys great news we have about 14 flights ahead of us on the tarmac oh my goodness this i've been doing this for 40 years and this is the longest flight i've ever flown because we have to get around weather and we're going to be flying through canada and i was like wait what that (laughs) it's like you can't even make up this stuff because it just has to actually happen i actually thought like maybe somebody has a candid camera and maybe this is a joke yeah they're just taping your reactions he's like so it's gonna be like eight hours like flying home and for all of you fly New York LA nonstop it's definitely never eight hours right so So, you know I I like had my my meltdown moment you know and I owned it and I was like you know what this is a lot and I almost just started laughing too because I was like how crazy can this day get like what else and then you know after that emotion I looked at the situation and I always try to like step back almost like I'm an observer right and I thought okay things can be a lot worse they actually can be worse and you know and then I go get back to like my gratitude and I always try to think about okay what is it that I'm that's really good right now like what can I like focus on refocus my brain because the thing with with kind of shifting into a hopeful mind space it's not just that it feels good or that it's important every thought we have actually creates a chemical reaction so when you have negative thoughts, you release cortisol, you release stress hormones, and you you know you start to have cloudy judgment, like you can't think as properly. You you know you know all the feelings, but when you start shifting into this place of hopefulness, you actually start to release hormones that engage your brain in different ways. So you're actually changing the chemistry of your body, and you have that aha. And it's not just a coincidence. Like oh my gosh, I don't know why all these great things are happening. You're actually priming your brain to problem solve better. And to do all these things from a chemical disposition. Wow. So that's why I always try, like when I'm in this really bad mind space, I, I let it happen. I own it. I, you know, feel all the feelings. But then I try to do my best to shift into a more hopeful space and to think about the gratitude piece because I know chemically I'm releasing hormones at that moment that will help me kind of get through this piece. See, that's the stuff that I like because <laughs> I am not as motivated to stick with it. Yeah. But if you tell me that my brain is releasing a hormone that will help me have, you know, better thoughts and be more creative and be, be more essentially, flexible, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we release serotonin totally and it. oxytocin totally. So I always, I always touch upon like the neuroscience piece. And even though, I mean, I'm just, I love that stuff. I'm a science nerd, but um, it, it matters. We are super powerful. You know, our brain is really incredibly powerful. We just have, you know, we don't really know how to harness it. And that's probably also why I call myself a resilience coach because the idea is I want to train you to do the work it takes to flip into a different perspective and, and shift your lens. I don't want to do it for you all the time, right? Absolutely. So so my I teach you how to think, not what to think, right? And that's what is essentially you, you know, you can do for yourself in these moments of pain or meltdown or trauma, right? And we all have it. Right. The, right? the, the meltdown moments are not going away, but how you react to them is absolutely in your control. And it sounds like, I mean, just to have a fulfilled life, you're going to have to do that. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of meltdowns. <laughs> it's a lot of meltdowns. Without any resolution. Yeah, exactly. And like, and, and, and it happens to the best of us and to all of us and to those of us who seem to have it all put together. Like, they don't, you know? And it's, it's okay to just 
like lean into those moments, but then you have to work through them and you have to grow from them and strengthen too. Yeah. So when you work with um, clients and you're a resilience coach, mm-hmm. like what's, what's an example of that? Cause I'm kind of curious in the sense <laughs> that maybe it's cause we live in LA, but in LA people have a coach for everything. Oh, yeah. I, I heard <laughs> this girl I know hired a posture coach. I was like, a oh posture, I'll be your posture coach. Just <laughs> stand up straight, you know? No. I, and so there's a coach for everything. But no. like, what what does that mean if someone is listening to this and they're like, I think I could really use like, and I don't, I actually believe in coaching a lot. I think and we have career coaching on career contestant yeah. because sometimes you need someone to not only teach you how to do it, but keep right. you accountable right. to it. Yeah, and I'm actually not a fan of like random coaching. I mean, I am a clinical psychologist. I'm a psychologist. I have you're the real deal. I, I'm a doctor in psychology, but um, the way I sort of like to think about the work I do is almost like a mental fitness coach because I feel that, you know, mental health is active. It's not stagnant. It's not something that, you know, I mean, I definitely think our past matters and gives us a lot of insight into why we're at where we're at today. But I personally don't choose to focus on that as much. I'm very sort of more progressive in the work that I do and the work that I do with teams and clients and when I do speaking engagements. And the book too is like is helping you sort of flip that lens for yourself when you can't in that moment because so many of us get so deep in that hole and we just need to climb out and it you need help. Yeah, and, absolutely. And sometimes it can't be a friend and it shouldn't be your partner all the time. That Your partner shouldn't have that kind of burden, right? Right. And we have that power to do so but some of us just don't know how we don't we don't have you know we're not able to in that moment have the skill set so that's sort of where I come in no it's really interesting too because I think what I of course I hear a lot of stuff related to the workplace but I feel like a lot of women get burnt out and then they decide that opting out is the only option like the only way to remove at least one of these burdens or the stress of the workplace and trying to manage it all is by opting out which um I feel really strongly that like opting out is one of the worst things you yes, can do. And I, 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 and that doesn't mean that you can't change it. There's lots of different ways to still be in the workplace and, and without maybe working the full time job, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I'm just kind of curious when a person is coming to that conclusion, and this is happening a lot to women, mm-hmm. especially in their thirties, like around the time they have children or, yeah. you know, they've been in the career they always thought they wanted and now it's not, et cetera. Um, if someone is ha- coming to that thought, should they like read a book like yours first? Like, should they go through sort of these like resilience exercises first to make sure? Because I, I think also what happens is people want to change the exterior because yeah. they think that's the answer. Right. And it's not right. And it rarely is the answer. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely doing my book would be helpful. But I also think that, you know, coming to it too late in the game isn't effective either. I, you know, people, this is prevention. You know, and a lot of the people I work with are actually aren't going through trauma or challenges and they're totally fine, but they realize how important it is to sustain this kind of work. And again, I bring it back to going to the gym, right? Right. You don't just go to the gym when everything else has failed and you feel horrible and you have a disease or whatnot. And some people do that, unfortunately. But the idea of, and I'm just using the gym as an example, but the idea of eating healthfully or whatever, I mean, it has to be a lifetime pursuit. And resilience works very much in the same way and so does mental health. You have to really practice it. You have to do the work daily, right? And and sort of have the benefit of it. But I would say that um, definitely not opting out. And often what you fear the most or what you want to change is something that you have to, it's like almost like a red flag, like you have to stick with it. It's almost like um, when I urge my clients to invite challenge, it's similar. 
You know, if you're really pushing something away, that's a sign that there's something about it that you need to work on, right? Um, But I would say that, like, you know, if you are thinking about opting out, I would say that the times where it does make sense is if your goals or mission like really, really doesn't align with what you see happening in the organization. If you're really at odds like either ethically or morally to like what's happening or something like that is definitely something you can't overcome, you know, internally. I mean, that's just an obvious um, exit strategy. Um, I would also say like if you don't feel safe or supported in your work environment um, to really like think about that or if you feel if it's really impacting your daily functioning, like if you feel physically, mentally, like just constantly exhausted and overwhelmed and overrun, that's definitely something that can be internal, but it also can be due to a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. So really think about, you know, that. Um, And also it can be a situation where, you know, the skills that you're hired for to use in this job just aren't a fit anymore for what you're doing, right? And Or aren't what you want to be doing anymore. Yeah, And you just had a complete change of, you know, of mind and, and, and that's okay. But I would, I would say that, you know, definitely exhaust your options before looking for a work change. Cause that's often the first thing that people go for. And they're, they're, you know, sort of disappointed when it doesn't do what they think it should. I, I also think we go for that stuff because we want to feel it, you know, yeah. like you can go to the gym and run really hard right. on that treadmill and you feel it. And so there you, I mean, what's irritating is that, no, you didn't lose weight the next day, you right. know, but I think what, how, why we do that too, or look for the new job or the new company is partly because we can, we can tangibly feel or at least kind of like, you know, go on the computer and apply for a job yeah. and update your resume. It like kind of keeps your brain busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm like that. Like I would much rather pick the thing where I have to, you know, revamp a resume and a LinkedIn profile to apply for a job versus probably sit there and like have the tough conversation with my yes. boss about the fact that this is a toxic work environment. Right. And what a lot of people kind of forget is that you take yourself wherever you go. And so the problem is, and like, if you don't address that and I, then it's going to go with you. But I also think that there's something super powerful about being like, I was in a toxic work environment and here's how I made it work for me. And we very rarely hear stories around like, I stuck, I stuck through this tough moment and I'm really happy I did. Yes. And that's exactly the kind of thing that we should be doing in our life is working through those challenges and making it work for us instead of us feeling like we're the victim. Yeah. And be really empowered in that space. And I think that more people should be doing that. Well, meltdowns are not going away, but (laughs) the way we we deal with them certainly can. And I I always think, you know, we hear the story of the breakthrough, the comeback, but less of the journey in between. So this is really helpful just to kind of hear like, what are people who are mentally tough doing? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's not becoming less sensitive and less emotional. And women definitely get the short end of that stick. Absolutely. And and really the toughest women I know behind closed doors are actually owning the emotion and are being authentic about their feelings. And what you think is tough is not. Right. Right. What you see out there, and unfortunately social media does a terrible job of this, but what you see out there and what you what your brain tricks you to believe is tough is not. Right. right? And it's about really like empowering yourself with what works for you in your life and really owning that strength and moving into a space of growth. Right. Yeah. I heard someone the other day say like on social media now the trend is to be very vulnerable. And so they talk about, you know, I'm having a tough day and they're like, even that is 
you know, bullshit. Yeah. You know, now people are like faking that. And it's not that they're faking it. It's just that it is everything is produced, you know, and so tailored crazy. and it's going through yeah. a, a lens. Um, yeah, no, I've actually, I mean, social media is part of what we do, but I've stepped away. Like I don't post as much and people are like, wait, what's happening? Why aren't you posting more? And I, you know, I just, I find it so tough for me to integrate into my life it takes away so much for me and even though it's a huge part of you know the workspace these days I don't know I'm just having a tough time adjusting and figuring out like what works and and how to create that authenticity without being contrived well I think this goes back to what you were talking about virtual workspaces and the fact that online and digital has made everything I guess, more accessible, but it's not making it easier, healthier, or more balanced or any of those things. I, I, I mean, I think there are more people who are kind of recognizing like, the digital, the need for a digital detox. Yeah. And then they really realize like, I and do have an addiction good. because it's yeah. really hard to right. like not post as often or yeah. to not check it as often. And well, it triggers the same part of our brain as cocaine does. So oh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Motivation reward. It's, okay. It's, it's, um, and we have similar withdrawals. So what we're seeing is with people who are addicted and now it is in the diagnostic manual as an addiction. Um, but people who are addicted, if you remove their phones or technology from them, they actually experience similar physical symptoms, like dry mouth, the shakes, like they can't function, they can't think straight. I mean, it's scary what's happening. And it literally hijacks your mind. And now we know all of these app developers actually are, you know, creating content that is supposed to be addictive. Right. Like the whole, I mean, look at like even Netflix, which I love by the way, but like they just loop into a new show without giving you the option of clicking on a button. Right. 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 That's all meant to entice you to keep watching. And while it's great for business, it's not necessarily the best thing for our mental health. So it's really important to, t- to step back and take a look at your consumption of technology and kind of like where it fits into your life. And even for myself, like I knew it got bad when, you know, my husband really wanted to talk to me. I was like, oh, hold on, honey. I'm just posting something. Give me one second. And he was like, wait, what's like, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why are Instagram you taking is prioritized. Time, this like precious time that we have, which is like very short and, you know, not, like you're taking it away by being on this like device that you know, has, right. like, what's the point? And so many couples, when they wake up, they check their phones. When they go to bed, they're it's, in the same bed. They could so be talking bad. to each other and they're it's on Instagram. So and I'm yeah. 100% guilty of that. Yeah, and we all are, right? But I talk about in my book kind of how to how to change those bad habits. And it's really important that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. So my next, last two questions, but I've been really loving people's answers to these. Um, if you could rename Meltdown, what would you call it? Breakthrough. Breakthrough, that's great. <laughs> or like, I mean, definitely a breakthrough because I think there's, it's just such a moment of, um, you know, an important moment to own and to understand like where you actually need to fix things mm-hmm. and a reboot. I also like that we talked about owning your emotions, but that doesn't mean we're saying like you have to let, everybody in while you're owning that emotion I think there's uh, a difference between and again just kind of going back to social media like you can be sad and you don't have to let everyone know that you're sad and I I think you know so like while we reframe this conversation around like meltdowns to breakthroughs I don't want anyone to also feel like well the right thing here just to let everyone know I'm having a tough day oh gosh no no and I you know honestly things are more powerful when you process them internally first and of course like if you're having a really rough time and you need to let people in on it like a few people who you really trust and love and you know that they're gonna kind of stick with you in it um by all means social support is critical but 
you know, sometimes things are just meant for you, you know, and just for you to feel it. And you don't have to, sometimes talking about it makes it much bigger than it is. Because we have a predisposition to sort of exaggerate. It's just part of like the human condition, but we sort of ruminate and exaggerate things a little bit, um, especially women, (laughs) because we fixate. We're like, okay, wait, I'm feeling really stressed out. And then if you tell your friend and then your friend tells another friend, did you know Z's really stressed out, right? And then it just all of a sudden, I'm so stressed out, but wait, I'm not even feeling that stressed out anymore. It came and went. And that's kind of what feelings do. But because I talked about it so much. It lives on. It lives on. And now people are projecting that onto me. And they're like, hi, Z, are you okay? You know, what's happening? (laughs) And I'm like, wait, I'm fine. Like, wait, what do you mean? That that was yesterday. Today's a new day. I'm totally fine. Yeah, like, I mean, come on. So I think it's important to kind of think through. Yes, agreed. Okay, tell us what's next for you in your career. Um, I'm starting to work on book number two. That's exciting. So I'm excited about that. Um, still in sort of the resilient space. Um, I can't say too much more, but it's exciting. And I'm doing a lot of speaking these days and working with corporate clients as well um, and corporate teams. Um, I just did something with KPMG. And, you know, it's it's really neat to see some of these bigger companies understanding how important mental health and mental fitness is. And um, it's been really reassuring and exciting. So, um, and I'm creating curriculum with different universities and schools in resilience. That's amazing. Which is a passion of mine because it really is something that needs to be taught. And our youth especially um, is not, you know, gaining access to it in the ways that I think character development should be focused on in schools. So that's a huge passion of mine that I'm that I'm building up. Um, so I yeah. love that. I mean, we went yeah. to PE, but where was the mental PE? No, you and know? we have sex ed, but we don't have life ed, right? right? And it's like, yeah, okay, do well in school. You get grades for your academic work. But I have to be honest, like I, my kids are five and three and I'm valuing character development so much more than academic development. I know they'll read at some point, you know what I mean? Right. Like I know they're going to be fine, but at I really what I don't know for sure is the character piece and the empathy and all of those important skills, the grace, the humble, like all of that that we need to be sort of really focusing on, I think, in the school system as well. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I mean, a lot of us kind of joke about these adulting classes, like where was the class on like 401ks and like how to, yeah, exactly, like basically have a really tough conversation and not just completely utterly like fall apart after it at work or something like nobody was talking about that it was just go 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 succeed succeed set a high goal reach the goal go to the next one and uh, you know the whole like it's just not surprising that this is sort of blown up in our face like super ambitious right but very feeling lost and yes. empty kind and of at times. And it's time to kind of regain our, our footing and still move forward with, you know, just the ambition that we have, but really understand that at the end of the day, like you're stuck with yourself. Yeah. And you have to really be, you know, comfortable in your shoes and and live with that sense of like grace and, and resilience that we all need and deserve. But it's a skill and we have to teach ourselves how to do it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Z, for joining us today. Um, I'd love if you could let people know where they can find you. I know you're not visiting very much um, (laughs) on social anymore, but they might want to find you. I definitely, no, I do have a a authentic like community, which I, who I adore on. um, So on Instagram, I'm dr.zelana, Z-E-L-A-N-A, and then um, drzelana.com online. Um, You can check out more about my background and reach out through my contact page on my website. Um, yeah, I'd love I'd love to stay in touch with people. I mean, that's kind of one of my passions too, is to connect with my my audience, people who want to hear more. Right, and your book is Twenty One Days 
of resilience to resilience sorry (laughs) which we all need all right thank you so much thank you thanks for having me yeah thanks that was dr zalana momini positive psychologist and author of 21 days to resilience thank you for listening to this episode of the females for more interviews and career advice from incredible women check out careercontessa.com We also offer other great resources like career coaching, a curated jobs board, profiles on female supportive companies, and on-demand career courses in our e-learning library. Seriously, we're a one-stop shop for your career success. And if you're looking for more great advice for transcending the daily grind and learning how to thrive, you can watch our video webinar with Dr. Z that's located in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And I would be so grateful if you could rate us and review us. It's really helpful and valuable to see what you like about the show. Plus, we'll send you all the good karma vibes in return. And don't forget that we're super social over on our Instagram channel, at Career Contessa. And we'd love your help spreading the word about this podcast by mentioning it on your social media channels with hashtag TheFemalesPodcast. You can expect a new episode of the Females Podcast every Tuesday, and you won't want to miss next week's episode featuring Farnoosh Tarabi, a personal finance expert, three-time author, and the host of the very popular podcast called So Money. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you're working at a nine-to-five, we see it across the board that women undercut themselves, undervalue themselves. Um, So whether it's like not asking for a raise or even you're making your own money as your own boss and women actually pay themselves less than male entrepreneurs.